Welcome to You Need to See This, a film podcast about filling in the gaps of our collective cinematic experience. I'm Luce Jo- <laughs> What is my name? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure, but it's like, it's a good long one. <laughs> I was going to say Luce Jomlinbrenner. Um, that's so weird. I <laughs> say my name every day. No, I get it. It's names are tough, especially when we have them. <laughs> My God. You guys, I'm Lucy Tomlin Brenner, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host. Uh, Josie Orland. <laughs> Hi, Josie. How are you today? <laughs> Doing really well. I'm having fun. Oh, oh my, my God. good gracious. Having a nice Sunday. Yeah, me too. I've been just, you know, huffing paint and um, glue and... <laughs> Killing off brain cells one by one. Oh, I um, hope it's related to like uh, uh, house projects, but also don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just listening to the Ramones and sniffing glue. Oh, God, what a good Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's relaxing. So uh, other than being total deadbeat burnouts who can't remember our names, Cozy and I are comedians, writers, filmmakers, and most importantly, film lovers. Each week, the two of us pick a film one of us has seen and one of us hasn't seen, and then we try to convince each other and you, lovely, sweet, precious listener, that this mm-hmm. is worth your time. We'll cover everything from... Uh, you know, computers, cyberpunk movies from the 90s to how'd you miss this blockbusters? And we do it all with no spoilers. Zero spoilers. We are here to maintain the wonderful movie experience for you. Yes. So the whole point is for us to convince you to watch it. So mm-hmm. don't worry. We won't ruin it. This is a movie. The movie we're talking about today is sort of hard to spoil. So um, I'm not worried about it. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, but before we get into that, we have a very cool guest. I'm excited to introduce Chris Candy. Welcome to the show. Ooh, what's up, everybody? Hello. Hey, Hello, Chris. Chris. <laughs> uh, for those of you who are not familiar with Chris Candy, let me give you a little introduction. As the son of veteran comedic actor John Candy, humor runs in Chris Candy's blood. The Canadian-born actor trained at Groundlings, Second City, and Upright Citizens Brigade, and he currently performs with Second City Hollywood as part of the improv team Dazzle and the monthly variety show Live from the Hollywood Room. He hosts the weekly music program News Pollution for KXLU 88.9 and is the co-host and creator of Bumper to Bumper, an interview podcast that takes place during rush hour in L.A. His acting credits include roles in Matthew Jacobs' award-winning feature Bar America and the Funny or Die series Mystic Cosmic Patrol. In 2019, along with co-creator Gurren Gardner, Candy wrote and starred in Rick Darge's Chow Chilla, which screened at the Raindance and Calgary International Film Festivals. Holy <laughs> cow, Chris. <gasps> Amazing. So great so to have you stuff. here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thanks oh, hell for yeah. Having me. I, it's funny as you were reading that, I was I was realizing like 75% of that is all mute because of the quarantine. <laughs> that I'm like, oh yeah, there's no improv shows anymore uh, in spaces. And uh, my, yeah, so... Yes, there's no Dazzle Weekly show, and there's no Life from the Hollywood at Second City right now. But I wasn't um, sure if maybe you were doing them online, like yeah, Cyberprov. I <laughs> wish. I wish. Um, yeah, I, I was wondering if Second City had done the online stuff or not, because some of the theaters are like, yeah, let's try it. And some are like, whoa, no thank you. 
I think Second City has been actually. I just um, I think uh, Jamie Moyer and a couple other uh, comedian friends of mine have been doing some some shows, and my, and my co-host from Life from the Hollywood Room, uh, Jason Schatz, he's been doing um, some some shows too. So I do know what's going on. I just haven't done any of them recently. Um, That's but, fair, yeah, absolutely. But Bumper to Bumper is still going on. I do that with my buddy Rick. Um, and uh, we've been able to do that. We're just not in the cars. We're just kind of doing a, a basic podcast structure like the one we're doing here. That's and what then, I wondered. Like if you injected car noises into it still <laughs> or like every now and then you broke to be like, what an asshole. Did you see that guy jaywalking? <laughs> yeah, we tried. We tried like right in the beginning of early because like initially we were in our cars and we'll go back to him eventually like he was in his and I was in mine and we would pick someone up. One of us would to interview them and uh the, the idea for that came out of just like bored at like we were driving so freaking much uh, prior to lockdown that like I was just like feeling like that I had to a better I had to find a better use of my time for traveling and so I was like yeah <laughs> like, like typical overworking culture that we live in I'm like I'll just put a podcast in this and um, anyways it 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 stopped when when lockdown happened and we just we tried to create like a, a podcast where we were in front of like a TV screen where it looked like the road was going behind us, but it was just, <laughs> it, was just technology. So it was just so much work. But now it's just like this, like uh podcast where my friend and I just kind of, we talk about everything that's kind of slowly happening and crack jokes and that's about it. But yes, that's, that's the, the podcast I've been up to and noise pollution. I've been doing too. Just uh, I do like a DJ set from my apartment every Wednesday night from ten to eleven, so people can come and see the live feed, and that goes up to KXLU. So I love that. I was a yeah. college radio DJ, so I'm oh cool, very snobby. <laughs> yeah, yes, I I uh, I am musically snobby too. It's a good quality to have. That's yeah, awesome. you two both have very good musical taste. Oh, thanks. Yeah, mm-hmm. where did what? you uh, where did you where did you DJ? Uh, I went to Bowling Green State University in Northwest Ohio, and Whoa. we had one of the best radio stations in the state, actually, 88.1 WBGU. Uh, cool. Yeah, I had like what the, t- it was like in the top three like college signals in the states of Ohio. So, <laughs> oh, cool. yeah, it was great. We were, it's like just south of Toledo. So we would like, we got like the Toledo area, which was really nice. And mm-hmm. yeah, the, my first year I had a, um, Four to six AM slot, which was really difficult. And then the (laughs) next like had one of those. Oh my God. Yeah. It's it was really brutal. I slept through it many times. My co-host was not a fan of me. (laughs) 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 But then uh the next year I like worked my way up to doing like a two to four slot and I got to keep that the whole time I was there, which was really awesome. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Those those like I had one when I first started at KXLU. In college and it was I think it was two to three in the morning mm. and um, it was only an hour but it was just so painful because like it was on a set it was Sunday morning so you could no. kind of <laughs> if you wanted to go out Sunday or Saturday night you kind of could mm-hmm. and then like and, and like leave all your friends at like 1 30 in the morning and be like all right I'm gonna go up to KXLU but like I just no I don't know it was just like so who was listening <laughs> like did you, you get people calling in we had people call in, um, and actually, recently we just lost one of like the main KXLU listeners. This guy, Detroit Jerry, mm. um, he was this big time listener, and he worked at the airport, LAX, and so he was always like a diehard listener who would like 
call in to the show at whatever hour of the day. It was almost like he never slept, and he was just such a super fan of the station. Aww. So we lost like a really solid dude, but he would always call in for my show when it was at the 10 to 11 o'clock hour where it's at now, and he'd always go, hey, what's up? It's me, Detroit Jerry. How you doing? And, and I'd always Aww. play this Ian Dury in the Blockhead song. <laughs> every week he would go, He'd call in and and repeat the same story verbatim about listening to – he goes, man, you got Ian Dury in the blockheads, man. I remember I saw him open for Lou Reed, man, (laughs) in Detroit. And, you know, no one's giving Ian Dury any respect. And so when I saw Lou Reed out in Hollywood at Tower Records, I went up to him and I said, hey, man, I saw Ian Dury in the blockheads open up for you in Detroit. And Lou Reed looked at me and he said – yeah, man, Ian Dury's the best. <laughs> and, but it was so the humor in it was he would say every week I would play it and it would happen every week and I would record it sometimes of him uh, spouting off this story. So it was very funny. Uh, but yeah, it was all, anyways, a little shout out to the legendary Detroit Jerry there. Seriously, what a cool listener. What a great story. Yeah. Love that. Did you, do you have any, or maybe like other than that, like songs that were like, I'm every week that like you mean got into and had to play and you're like, sorry, it's time for this song now. Like every week. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was like a specific song ever, but um, I would lean into certain um, with noise pollution specifically. I mean, actually, Honestly, Ian Dury was that artist, I think. Um, I would always play like uh, Wake Up and Make Love to Me or Hit Me With Your Rhythm Stick. And like these tracks, like I was really into disco, but like th- these were kind of punkier, mm. really like like really gnarly uh, disco-y tracks. And they were just played with like really incredible musicians. And and Ian Dury, for those who don't know, is just like really interesting uh, musician and like uh, – really worth checking out made some really cool stuff i think he had polio or he had some he was he was huh. definitely disabled so or um i'm not exactly sure what it was but he was just like he made it work with what he got is what i'm getting at he rocked he was very cool that's awesome um, but yeah. yeah he would be someone i'd always play yeah oh i love that we i remember my co-host uh laura and i would go through this phase one year where we were just obsessed with adam and his package and we oh, yeah Lord, it's hard to be happy when you're not using the metric system. Like mm-hmm. at three, we were like, it's three o'clock. It's time for Adam and his package. Like oh, every yeah, single week. I love that. Yeah. Adam and his package is perfect. Yeah, so bouncy and fun. Oh, yeah. So good. I never got to see him before he uh, broke up with his package. I don't, before he quit <laughs> playing, it's just him. So he didn't really break up. Right. But it was like, it's one of my great, like, uh, concert misses, the fact that I never got to see him play a show. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so gonna... it goes, so it goes. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask you about Chowchilla. Congratulations on your festival uh, entries. That's so great. And, like, this just came out last year. So are you still trying to uh, shop it at festivals? It, no, Chachilla's kind of done with its festival run. Um, it was a film that I wrote with my uh, co-collaborator, this woman, Garen Gardner, um, and she and I had done a ton of comedy and improv projects prior to that. And my friend Rick, who you all probably know through the improv scene, was a good friend of mine from improv comedy and that whole world. And um, 
they both were like incredibly talented and skilled in like various departments. And I was friends with Rick from prior time. He was a music video director for my band. And like I said, Garen and I uh, were friends through acting classes and all kinds of things and post uh, creative projects. And so it was putting together these like two elements in my friend group that were really, really talented. And so Chachilla was the output of that. Um, and, Long story short, uh, we, we, we was about a brother and sister who had to sell their family farm. And on the eve of the sale of the farm, before it went to an open house, a bag of money from like a drug deal gone wrong showed mm-hmm. up on their front door, mm-hmm. their front steps. And so what do they do when they get all this money and what happens if someone comes looking for it? And so it's this 17 minute little film and it was really like an awesome launching piece, um, to just like get like, you know, your work out there and make something mm-hmm. and have fun doing it. And, um, it, it, it turned out really great and, and, and it is done with its festival run. You can see it on my website. Um, if you want to. Oh, awesome. And, I can link to that in the show notes so people can check that out. Yeah, that'd be great. But no, it's, it's done. It, 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 uh, it, it played, I think six or seven festivals, Calgary and Raindance are just the two biggest ones that it got into. Mm-hmm. Got into Holly shorts out in Los Angeles and a few other ones. So I was really happy with it, but no, that one's done. Um, but Rick and I continue to make stuff. Garen and I are always kind of developing projects and, um, Fine. yeah, you know, it, it was really like at the end of 2019 before we got into this like crazy land that we're in right now. Um, <laughs> we were really shopping it around then and it was just super fun to have a project and, you know, I didn't travel often, so it was nice to have a project to go travel with. And I think actually, yeah, with a, I was in Mammoth, interestingly enough, for the Mammoth Mountain Film Festival. Oh, cool. I was looking into that festival for my own short when it was playing. It looked like such a beautiful festival. It's super fun. They do it in this like little theater um, in, in town there. And yeah, I, I, I can't recommend, I, uh, recommend it enough. Like we just had a blast up there. We drove up, uh, stayed the night, you know, you're in, you know, went and saw our film and it played really well. And honestly, I believe that was the last movie I've seen in a movie theater was that, that short. <laughs> short, short uh, I love crazy. that it was like for your own work also. <laughs> yeah, that was super cool. Amazing. Well, yeah, there's nothing like seeing something you made on the big screen. I had such an incredible time with my short messed up taking it around the country. It was right. one of the most fun experiences. Like I had traveled for comedy festivals and uh, you know, stand up and stuff, but it was a totally different experience, a lot more welcoming. I was expecting it to be competitive feeling festivals, but that wasn't my experience. Everybody was so, it's like this sweet little community around super indie film. Yeah, I think it, it really reminded me of like punk rock and musicians and yes. playing bands because everyone is kind of at the end of the day, like really happy that they're able to just show their work. And it's outside of like the main film system where, you know, those movies end up looking like they're on steroids when they <laughs> get on screen. But it's really refreshing to watch like ideas and, and things that are being tried. And I think short film is a really great medium because you really have to like use all your skill sets mm-hmm. to get the story in. And get like it. straight to the message too. Yeah, exactly. It's so it's fun to watch shorts and see the ones that work, see the ones that don't work, <laughs> kind of go, whoa, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. We had a lot of fun up there and, and um, yeah, I loved making that one. Yeah. Cool. You two so were you... super great in that one. It was so fun to watch. I was like, everybody's so natural in it and the relationship's like so clear, so fast. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 
it, it was a it was a combo of a lot of friends just working together. And, and the farm we shoot it at uh, up in it's, it's called Chowchilla because there's a, a town in, in Central California called Chowchilla. Mm. Um, and so uh, Garen's uh, husband, their family had this farm in their family for generations. So mm. it was Amazing. it was really organic in the sense of like Garen is like we have access to like a farm if we ever want to like film something. And I was like, <laughs> yes, that's of really course. That's how <laughs> we're like we're going there tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Give me two tickets to Chowchilla, please. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Do you have plans for uh, another short that you want to do when it's safe to start being together again? Um, yeah, I, I, the three of us have been kind of like brewing up some ideas. Um, Rick and I, have, when we were in uh, London for Rain Dance with Chowchilla, we went and made another short film over there, which was really mm-hmm. Really stoked about and that. That one's called To the Stones. Again, you can see that on my my website. But again, it was just like a super simple idea, and it was like a really good example of like Rick and I's working relationship. This was just about a guy who has a problem with his hair. He's losing his hair, and he's on a business trip to London. And um, he is told by the Airbnb host to go to Stonehenge, and maybe he'll get something magical. Um, <laughs> I was watching I that last night, and uh, I, I do a lot of writing for plastic surgeons and hair transplant people. And oh, I've, really? Yeah, and I've also been listening to a, po- a podcast uh, called Bald Talk from two bald uh, improvisers, and so it just hit on a lot of levels. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. That's that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> And I just watched uh, Halloween three season of the witch, which has to do with uh, the magical properties of Stonehenge. So there we go. Oh, <laughs> Holy shinike. <laughs> can I say the other version of that word? Oh, on the- yeah, you yeah. can. But this yeah. is an NPR oh. program. Okay. So. Oh, okay, good, good. All right. Yeah, this I'll, is just I'll, a bunch of punks. We're doing fine. <laughs> oh, good. All right. That was so like watching what I say, holy shit. Amazing. All coming together creatively. I love it. <laughs> um, well, then the last thing I want to ask, I'm not sure what uh, questions that Cozy might have for you, but I <laughs> would love to know how, you know, growing up with your dad, legendary John Candy, like how that affected your comedy career. I mean, of course you're in comedy, uh, was it like a funny house? Were you like destined to be a comedian no matter what? <laughs> um, you know, it was a really creative house. Um, I think that's the best way to put it. Like he was just so like naturally talented and like he was a very, you know, warm soul. So it was a very like um, that energy was felt very strong throughout the household. Um, and my mom was this like amazing ceramicist who was an art teacher uh, out of Toronto. And so I just kind of had it on both sides of like, you know, my dad kind of off working pretty regularly. And then, um, and then my mother doing this like incredible work in, in, in a studio. And so, um, it was just kind of all around, but, you know, honestly, I didn't want to get into it until, you know, cause you do that thing, um, mm-hmm. which I brought up before. It's like, you don't want to do what your parents did, you know? Sure. Right. So I was like really anti getting into comedy and all that stuff. And then I, I, um, and, and, uh, I was just like, ah, I don't need to do it. And it was like kind of playing too cool for school with it. And then, and then <laughs> yeah. And so then I get into punk rock and playing in bands and all that stuff. And, 
And then through that, it was just like an organic progression where it's like friends in, in college or in high school would ask me to do plays or be on improv teams. And it just organically happened. And then as I got back from being on this like one tour, I kind of faced it and I was just like, let's just try it, you know? And I was so green because I was like, oh, they're going to like be knocking at the door when I come out. You know? <laughs> but it was so stupid. It's like such, you know, because really what it taught me was it was just like no one really cares right. you, gotta, you have to you earn gotta, like whatever you do right <laughs> you, gotta earn everything. you have to earn exactly and and you know it was awesome to get that that wake-up call and that lesson it was a quick jump into the water realizing it was freezing cold and i i learned my lesson but you know it um i i think that my journey was like and still is is like he was incredibly gifted in doing what he does uh, in regards to comedy and his style of, of jokes. And, and mine is, is, is uniquely my own. And, and I wouldn't have figured out what works for me if it wasn't like, you know, doing improv with Cozy and y'all and like mm-hmm. doing shows at the clubhouse and like just getting in those reps and figuring out like what resonates with people. And, and you know, I don't know if that's similar to him or not, but it's very much my own at the end of the day. So I don't feel like I'm stealing it, borrowing it, following in his footsteps. I don't have that, that uncomfortableness. So that's, um, that's great. Well, that's, what's so awesome about comedy too. I love that. It's constantly shifting that like really good comedy, you know, when you watch, uh, stuff from 20, 30, 40 years ago is still very funny, but it's of that moment in a way where like, if you were to try to rehash that on stage at the clubhouse, people would not be into it. (laughs) So like comedy really Mm -hmm. forces you more so than music and more so than film. I just gesticulated so wildly. I knocked an entire thing of necklaces over. So that's what that (laughs) sound was. If you heard that. I recorded oh, I my it was closet. a chandelier. <laughs> I also have a very large crystal chandelier. So. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, but comedy, you have to, like, you can't borrow for that long. You could do it, like, a little tiny bit as you're trying to figure out your own voice, but you just will not be good at comedy or get to go very far <laughs> if you're copying yeah. or if you're just kind of coasting on fumes. Um, and that's one of the things yeah. that I love about comedy. Yeah, it's a very honest art form um, in regard to like, those who are, maybe I'll put it this way, those who have it and those who don't have it. And, and um, you know, it's uh, at the end of the day, it, you have it when you're like following your, uh, your kind of essence. And I, I don't know how not to put it in like some mystic way. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, we're in LA. That's the law. You have to talk about rose quartz at some point. <laughs> right, right, right. Good. Check that off my card. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I, I, I just, I, you're totally right. I fully agree with you there. And, um, I guess the only shared thing was like, you know, for me when we were doing like clubhouse, Bart's show, yeah. the local, all of those, like, I felt like very fortunate. Um, Rick and I were doing a, a, a like a, a DIY show. I felt like, you know, I'm coming up on my own steam here. And I, I was like, this must have been what it was like for him in, in like the 70s and the 80s with Second City and, and the socializing and the partying and, and must have been like that, you know, in some regards, because it was so fun and pure. And like some of my favorite friendships and, and connections with people uh, have been from that time. So I, I, I'll never, you know, uh, I'll never look back on that and be like, that time sucked because it was the best. <laughs> Yeah, so much fun. Yeah, it was, it was, it's funny. Like some of the things that you said remind, like, I felt like I could relate to them a lot because my, my mom was also an artist. She was an oil painter and, Mm. and my dad was a poet 
and they were both kind of locally famous. And right. and I was always like, I'm not going to read poetry. I'm not going to be a poet. Ugh. Yeah. And so I just avoided it all the time. And now whenever like, I sit down and write short stories, everything everyone's like, you should make this a poem. It's pretty. I'm like, damn it, you're right, fine. Right, yeah. <laughs> It just chases you. It, it's inescapable. It's in the blood, right? <laughs> yeah, that's just like when I'm trying to tell somebody like how to do something correctly, and they're like, "Oh my god, you should be a teacher." And I'm like, "No, <laughs> oh no." And then I have yes, to like, same. all of a sudden, I'm like teaching tenth grade English, just like my mom. <laughs> oh no, yeah, I have that fear too. Both my parents were also teachers, so <laughs> it's all in my future somewhere. I'm sure. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm like, I'm, I could always go back and teach drama, I guess. <laughs> uh, there's always a possibility. I, I feel like when we're all in our like 80s or something, we're going to have these weird stodgy classes and they'll be great. <laughs> um, I yeah, look forward I, to being a very cool 80 year old and like totally like outrageous art clothes, like things that people are like, oh no, what is she wearing? <laughs> oh, those are the best. I'll be a scandalizing 80 year old woman. Oh, we all should be so lucky. We all should be. Yeah, that should all be all of us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I remember when we were when we were doing those shows back at the clubhouse, and uh, you sort of came into the scene more. I was like, oh, this guy is really like he's really good at like being committed, and like there's definitely some acting training there, and he knows how to like play it slow. And I was like, oh, I love people like this. And then I like finally talked to him. I was like, oh, this guy's a sweetheart. That was so nice. Yeah. And then, and then we like became Facebook friends. I was like, oh, here are your 7,000 amazing hyphenates that I knew nothing about. And I was uh, like, this is the Hollywoodest thing ever. <laughs> it was right. so funny. Well, I think it was a big deal for me just to kind of like get in into the scene. And, and you know, it, it, you can relate that to punk rock because it's like no one really cares who you are in punk rock. So it's like you're not, you know, and, uh, and when it was in regards to getting into comedy and, and entertainment, like, I had to have that honesty of, of myself going into it because it's just like, can't fake the funk. You know, you just got, it's not <laughs> my style. True. Oh, yeah. And people can tell when you do. People can tell when people do. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, just being yourself makes such a difference. <laughs> uh, I love that all three of us like rebelled into punk music. Um, but yes. I was like rebelling against like the stodginess of uh, my suburban you know, boring teacher upbringing. And you're like, I will not be an interesting comedian. I refuse. <laughs> it's funny because I did the thing where it was like, I went a bit more conservative with it and was like, I need like a skill. Like oh, a, sure. I need a you know, um, I, and I went to school for audio design and I still love audio, but. That was smart well, though. I wish I had mm-hmm. a skill beyond talking like all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, then you're then the, the laziness of the performers that we all have that we fight all the time yeah. comes in and you're like, I don't want to do sound. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, completely. Like, I need a wig or I can't do this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not about, wigs are great. I love a good wig. I, oh. Absolutely. We wouldn't be in comedy if we didn't love wigs. It's a big part of it. Like I said, listening to that bald podcast all the time, they're just like, do we have to wear wigs a lot? Do you guys have to deal with that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, since we're talking about punk, I want to get into our movie. Cozy, did you have any other questions before? No, that that? was perfect. All right. Wonderful. Well, Chris, 
you picked the perfect movie to go along with everything that we're talking about. So today we are discussing the 1995 film Hackers and Cozy. Yeah. You need to see this. I've never seen this. I really? Yeah. That's hard to believe because I know that you will enjoy it. Why haven't Ooh. you seen this film? Well, I remember hearing about it and uh, I remember being like, oh, okay, this is like a... I had like a little bit of, of awareness when it first came out. I was like, okay, this is some kind of cyber web thing. And back then, uh, cyber web sort of internet stuff. I was just like, okay, whatever. And then later... It's a I was passing like, fad. Yeah, I know. It's like, whatever. I'm going to deal with my weird shadow run Sega Genesis game, which is all about hackers. And that's the only hacker material I'm going to end up with. And then later looking back on it, I've always been like, I bet that would be funny to watch. I bet all the terminology is hilarious. But I never actually watched it. I was a, I was a big Angelina Jolie fan. And so it's always kind of been there as a thing I should watch uh, because I loved her in playing by heart. Yes, I liked that movie when I was younger, oh, too. <laughs> it was so fun when we were younger. Yeah, and Girl Interrupted, of course. I feel like okay. we have these in common. <laughs> yes, Girl I've Interrupted. I've, I've never seen either of those. But we, that's for a different podcast. <laughs> I, we, we should definitely do that for a future podcast. <laughs> yeah, we could have you back as the guest who hasn't seen something, and Cozy and I convince you to watch Girl Interrupted because okay. it's yeah. a must-see. It was like Elizabeth Moss's breakout. I mean, that was like her first major movie that she was in. Oh, wow. Oh, it's been so long. I have to rewatch for that. It's got incredible. Clea Duvall is also in it. It's an amazing cast. Oh, true. And the other thing for me about ha- about hackers is that <laughs> the movie I... The you're talking about? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. Just coincidence right there. Um, yeah. The, the subtle bring back um, is that I always sort of get it not confused with but i every time i hear hackers i think of slackers and also think of slacker and they right. all just kind of jumble up in my brain <laughs> the slackers the ska band or slackers the um the movie that is a great question always the movie but i should do more i should think of the ska band more often in general and that's hilarious same I totally the interrupters assumed. and girls girl interrupted <laughs> <laughs> I totally assumed you meant the ska band, but I love that you're a big fan of the, what was it, like a 2002, like Devin Sawa, Jason Schwartzman, Jason Segel yes. movie? Oh my God, I loved it. Did that, did that have, um, I, I think, did that have Jamie, Jamie, uh, Jamie King Definitely. in it, James King? Or Jamie, yeah, the, the woman who's in yes. uh, My Name is Earl? Yeah, uh, it's Jamie. No, 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 Pratt. that's Jamie. That's Jamie Presley. James okay. King is a is a similar looking person and also has a James name. But huh. she's a she's like a model slash actress who was in a bunch of random things, and she was like one of my crushes growing up, along with, of course, Christina Ricci. That's so oh, funny. Cool. I mean, I know that Laura Prepon is in it. Yeah, I think was she the friend? She was the friend in that maybe. And yeah. am I right on that? That she was yeah, the friend. Yeah, she was and, like the friend. I think they had her have dark hair in it. Was like, oh, oh, so she's like the goth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so so Jamie King must have been the like the crush or something. I imagine. Um. Yeah, you're right, Jamie King. Boom. I can't yeah, believe I don't. Hmm. I'm the only. I'm I'm one of the few people who remember Slackers, and it was just because of that. <laughs> that's hilarious. I think I have it on tape. I saw Amazing. it. Amazing. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> I think I've seen it in theaters too. I think oh, that's wonderful. I think I, yeah. Like 2002, that's when I was going to the movies constantly. Like with, <laughs> it's a teenager. So I was like going with my friends every weekend, like multiple times. 
Oh, and like the idea of seeing uh, older Pete, adult Pete in a movie was so appealing. Yeah, I didn't have cable as a kid, so I never saw Pete and Pete, but I know all of my friends were like, Pete and Pete. We're oh, like, yeah. Pete and Pete was the moment. Yeah, that was, a, that was a moment in time. Oh, it was so beautiful. <laughs> um, well, terrific. Hackers is a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. From all of that. And I saw it in college, so I did not see it. I mean, it's a rated R, I believe. So I did not mm-hmm. see it when it came out. I was still a kid, and my parents were very strict about me not being allowed to watch rated R movies until I was older. So okay. I didn't see it till college. So it was already a little outdated, but we were very punk at that point in my life, uh, me and my boyfriend. So it was like very much our style. And I'm a huge Matthew Lillard fan. So that yes, was a really yeah. big reason that I loved oh. it, continue to love it. Um, and yeah, I have it on tape. So I watched it the way it was meant to be seen. <laughs> Whoa, you watched it on VHS. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I have a huge like 500 plus VHS collection uh, with a lot of movies from like the 80s and 90s since that's when I was growing up and started my collection. So I think a lot of movies from that time just are supposed to be seen that way with a little bit of fuzz, a little bit of softness. Like they look good like that in my opinion. (laughs) I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. I haven't watched the VHS tape in some time. Um, but I would, oh, that's awesome. I used to have party, like VHS parties, like movie nights, um, at my house. So when it's safe to do that again, you are cordially invited. I would love that. Thank you so much. I will be there with my opinions. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what I want. Opinions only. People without opinions are not invited. (laughs) So Chris, tell me when was the first time you saw this movie? Um, I think I saw it in theaters. I think it was 95. Um, and I, at the Century City Shopping Mall in LA. Um, I Your must mind must have, have been blown. Like, I think this movie was oh. so cutting edge in 1995. Yeah, this movie came out in an era um, when, um, you know, it, it you couldn't really make a movie like that this day and age and like in the way that they did it, it was very much like a nineties film. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it, it's like, I feel like in that era there was like, you know, movies about like rollerbladers with airborne and like <laughs> surfers and like, you know, <laughs> with, little you know, and, uh, groups of people, outsiders, like let's explore yeah, their but, world. Yeah. And, and hackers is a funny one because like, I was never a hacker. Like I, I, you know, I was like, <laughs> What? You never took down national corporations? Come on. Yeah. I never did, but... <laughs> There's still time. Um, this is Now more yeah. than ever, we need that. Yeah, <laughs> or, or maybe, like when, maybe when you're 80. <laughs> exactly. I was saying when I get to my 50s, I'll start getting into hacking. <laughs> <laughs> Retirement plan. Yes. Yeah, as a hacker. <laughs> um, and uh, I, um, I really... When I saw it, yeah, I was blown away. And I think for me as a kid, I was like really impressed with like, the technology element, uh, the video game kind of culture. There's like a lot of VR going on in this movie for some mm-hmm. reason. <laughs> you know, it was kind of this idea of what the internet was going to be. And of course it didn't become that, you know, mm-hmm. it was like the internet was going to be like this VR experience or like you could go into this like virtual cafe and like, it was all these terms and like the movie just has this very, 
Um, and there's a few other movies that kind of had the same energy to it. Johnny Mnemonic's kind of coming to mind. Um, mm-hmm. This kind of like cyberpunk kind of feel to it. And so, uh, you know, and I, I, yeah, for that matter, I really, really enjoyed it. And um, when I've rewatched it, there's a lot of interesting things that have come up in regards to like what I still like about it. And um, yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll get into that here in the next (laughs) little bit. Um, All right. Fantastic. Well, let me get into the movie and tell you all a little bit more about it for those who haven't seen it. Um, So it was directed by uh, Ian. What am I saying? Yeah. I think it's Ian softly, which is a very cool name. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a very odd, like smattering of films that he's done with no connective tissue, uh, visually, <laughs> in my opinion, he did K-Pax, uh, the yeah, <laughs> you're going to have that reaction one. to each one. <laughs> I, I, I really remember liking K-Pax a lot, actually. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. <laughs> um, the skeleton key, which I really like with Kate Hudson, uh, Inkheart, and Wings of the Dove, which are the major titles there. And then the writer, <laughs> the writer, uh, let's see, Raphael Moreau, he actually only did one other screenplay, and it was Carrie, like The Rage, Carrie 2. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, isn't that crazy? That's amazing. And that was like four years after Hackers, and that's it, and nothing else. So really, really really curious what uh, Rafael Moreau is up to. Hit us up if you know. Um, And then, I mean, I'm sure we're going to get into this and our reasons for why you need to see this, but the cast is just like outrageous. It's so deep. Uh, We can't really have a long conversation about each person in it, but I'm just going to go through and hit you with the names. Johnny Lee Miller, who is best known as Sick Boy in Train Spotting. Of course, Angelina Jolie. Jesse Bradford, who was in one of my favorite teen thrillers, uh, Swim Fan. Matthew Lillard, A God Among Men. Um, Fisher Stevens, like a major character actor, is like the bad guy in this movie. And Lorraine Bracco from The Sopranos and Wendell Pierce from The Wire. And Mark Anthony. Yeah. Also in it (laughs) as like an undercover agent. So... It's really wild. Plus, there's all kinds of odds and ends, familiar faces when you're watching it. You're like, oh, yeah, that guy. It's a whole movie of that guy's. I'll be honest. I don't really know much of those people, like many of those people. I've heard their names, but I don't think I've seen them in anything. It's like, for me, this is just an Angelina Jolie movie still. And everybody else, I'm like, okay, whatever, people. You might feel... Go on. No, Cozy, you kind of resemble Fisher Stevens a little bit. You have like a very Fisher Stevens energy, which is a really cool look. Interesting. You would recognize Fisher Stevens. He's in almost everything. Like he's just a character. He's a major character actor who's been around for like 40 years. So I think you'll recognize him. And you're going to be a little disappointed because Angelina Jolie is not the main character, unfortunately. Okay. yeah, right. no, it's a shame because she's way more interesting than Johnny Lee Miller, who I really love in Train Spotting, but is obnoxious as the main character, and I think is the only <laughs> drawback to this movie um, is that he sucks. I think <laughs> because shitty dude um, in general, but is 
I don't understand it. It's, it seems like it's the writing, but he also really doesn't act at all in the movie. Mm-hmm. He's kind of just there as things happen to him, and he has like a petulant look on his face for an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> so, uh, he was trying to play cool, but the coolness came off as like kind of assholishness. Oh. Yeah. Like, it doesn't read as well as it, it could have. Maybe, maybe there was other takes that just didn't complete the image of the character better but yeah um i agree with that yeah yeah he's very very flat especially when you've got i mean angela jolie who clearly was born smoldering Mm -hmm. so she's just like in every scene doing like a very intense like blue steel look into the camera (laughs) right yeah and then matthew lillard who owns every screen that even glances at him like I am so in love with Matthew Lillard. I can't stand it. Like the fact that he is not like our generation's biggest actor, like what happened? Is he a secret asshole that people don't like to work with? Because he's one of the best. He'll be the farthest person away from the camera and he's acting harder than anyone else in like the foreground. Like (laughs) reactions, funny little asides, like doing stuff with his hair and clothes. Like he's just always acting. Like, yeah, he's very in. He's very invested in the characters that he plays. Oh, he was yeah. In movie, he was in um, that movie Descendants with George Clooney. And yes. I really, I really loved him in that too because he did end up playing a more subtle character uh, and wasn't like so, you know. I, I have a feeling – yeah, maybe there was like a period in like Matthew Lillard's career where he was like gunning for like the Jim Carrey, Polly Shore energy that was going on at that time. Oh, Ooh, that yeah, because ninety five. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so maybe it was like a move, like this is my thing, and you're the next this or whatever. And so it could have been that, but you know, the cool thing is he's very much his own self, which is rad. Absolutely. You know, I didn't know that he was in the descendants when I went to go see it in the theater. And because, you know, they were like, it's a George Clooney movie. Mm, And, uh, and like, of course, Judy Greer is also in it. And it's Mm -hmm. this like really incredible scene when Matthew Lillard is revealed in like the third act, end of the second act. And I, in the theater, I went, Matthew Lillard. Like I was so surprised (laughs) and I was so excited because I like, the movie is fine, but like when, when Matthew Lillard was in it, I was like, now I'm here. Like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) sometimes that'll do it. Yeah. I I, I remember being like, okay with the descendants compared to what everybody was like pumping it up about and stuff. And I just realized probably the other day that I had, also been confusing its name with the savages for a really long time and I just, <laughs> like, with laura linney for- and uh, philip seymour hoffman yeah like i forgot about that one and i love i the love savages. that movie is much so better good. oh it's so good <laughs> that's really funny yeah the the sentence is awkward because it's like their whole issue where they're like dealing with you know not being able to have the land and how all the mm. People who are like native there and like aren't white are like, yeah, no, you shouldn't have this land, but we're supposed to be rooting for the white people. So weird. It just, yeah, I think I had an odd vibe to it, but. Mm-hmm. but that was the good thing at the end of that one is he chose to not sell, right? He chose yes. to keep the land, which was good. Yes, exactly. Yes. At the end of it, he became a yeah. good person. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I hope that doesn't count as a spoiler for everybody. <laughs> That's definitely a spoiler. Oh, no. (laughs) 
But we're but not doing not a, Descendants. We're not doing that movie. It's not that good of a movie. I don't think The Descendants is a movie that people will watch now. It came out That's 10 true. years ago. I cannot like, recommend it. <laughs> also, Alexander I Payne. I, I, I love that movie, actually. Oh, God, but I'm I, sorry. I crapped on it. <laughs> no, 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 that's, that's the point of a podcast like this. I, I, I But... You know, I think it's uh, it's totally understandable um, why people don't like it. But I just I think from like a masterclass in grief, I think it does mm. do a good job at like expressing like someone. It just it's it, I I I got tied up in the like actory element of like the dynamic of the characters. So oh sure. I, I that actually is the best part of that movie. That's what I, I really like that part also because a lot of movies about grief, especially in the early 2000s, were so melodramatic and saccharine. Yeah. And I I also have kind of a soft spot for like a dad who's trying to raise girls. Like, oh, right. right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, um, out. Have some ice cream. Yeah. 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 I can't, I don't know how to brush your hair. Like I always, I don't know. I, I think those are very fun. Um, yeah, I think maybe the other part of it sort of, um, threw me, I got angry about it. And then by the time it resolved, I was like, oh, okay. I got too worked up. (laughs) That makes sense. Fair enough. There's a lot of, there's a lot, yeah. Don't worry. (laughs) Well, back to hackers. So we got into, uh, directed, written, starring. Let me lay a synopsis on everyone. Yes, This is from Letterboxd. I thought this was the most concise. Uh, First of all, the tagline is great. Their crime is curiosity. (laughs) Along with his new friends, a teenager who was arrested by the U.S. Secret Service and banned from using a computer for writing a computer virus discovers a plot by a nefarious hacker but they must use their computer skills to find the evidence while being pursued again by the Secret Service and the evil computer genius behind the virus. The Secret Service, it must be the FBI. Like, the Secret Service just protects the president. Yeah. Right. I... (laughs) That can't be accurate. Uh, But yeah, basically it's like, um, hacker against hacker. There's the good hackers who are the teenagers and then the bad hacker. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I was wondering if the main people in it were like the heroes or the villains. Oh, they're definitely oh, yeah. the heroes. Cool. Definitely the heroes. Okay. Um, it's fun because it's like it's also a teen movie. Really? But, oh, and it is PG thirteen. Huh. I wonder why I never saw this when I was of age. I thought there was a lot of Fs in it, but I guess not. Mm-hmm. Not very sexual. Not a very sexual movie. Did your parents, um, so, were your parents afraid of you becoming a hacker? Maybe. We had an Apple IIGS at the time, so. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you had all the tools. of hacking. Yeah. No, I mean, they were really concerned about how much time I was playing Oregon Trail and Carmen Sandiego, so they had to keep me away from <laughs> this type That's of propaganda. Step, yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, let's jump into our reasons why the audience and Cozy need to see this film. Chris, do you want to kick it off? You can go in any order. It doesn't have to be like number one, number five, but first yes, reason you want to give us? <laughs> right. Well, let's just go into the fact that this is a moment in time film. Um, it, it constantly dates itself, but in like a really, really fun way. <laughs> it's a very 90s movie. The technology is very 90s. The computers they use are very 90s. 
the whole design in it just reeks of 90s, but in this very fun way that you were, if you were a child of that time, it really takes you back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that can come from like the hacker, I mean, um, the uh, Johnny Lee Miller is like the way he like makes his ca- uh, like laptop camouflage at one point with like a spray paint can. It just hybrids like New York culture, uh, tech culture, VR, Universal City Walk energy. There's just a lot going on here. And you could tell, like, it, you, I don't, you know, the thing is with it is like, yeah, this thing isn't like Streetcar Named Desire, right? But like, it's a fun movie. Like you kind of just watch it and it's, it's very easy to put on. Mm-hmm. It, there, there's nothing really offensive about it. Um, and it does transport you back. So I would have to say that for the fact that like cozy listeners, if you kind of want to get a sense of what it was like to be a high schooler in New York city, mm. or at least my idea of what it was like to be a high schooler in New York city <laughs> and like, you know, get into like hacking battles with computer, uh, you know, uh, with like computer programmed like video programmers and all kinds of weird little things. This is your movie. This movie's fun. Absolutely. Ooh, I, I kind of do. I kind of like that because I used to go to New York every summer and I would just hide out inside my grandma's apartment and and never be a teen <laughs> in New York City. So I was always a little bit curious. I was like, what was going on outside? Yeah, oh, I don't wow. know. Yeah, I don't know, like, if a lot of this stuff is real. Like, there's this, like, weird internet cafe they go to that's oh, got, like... so cool. It's so... It's, it's clearly like a, a set, I think, but... It, yeah, it's like it's a giant like, warehouse that could have never, like, existed. Wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> like a drop-in, like, vert ramp. Very Ninja Turtles one. Uh, yeah, it looks soldier. like a video game. <laughs> yeah. Cool. It's got Foot Clan energy, like... Uh, <laughs> in the first Ninja Turtles vibe. So there, it's also kind of that thing going on too. Yeah, I, I this movie is the future I thought I would have when I got older. Like I had these memories re-watching it and it's interesting since I didn't watch it when it came out. But it, so I wanted to say, because my reason is also that um, this is so much of a moment. And what's really interesting about technology, you know, of the mid to late, 90s and early aughts is that it changed so quickly so rapidly so every idea that someone had about the future like that year it was going to be totally different the following yeah, year really dated. that's true yeah you're right so it's I almost is of course it's dated but like in a way it almost is out of time because it's about a future that didn't really happen and Good observation, yeah and so I, I want to, I know there's a, you know, some people who are very anti-nostalgia or don't like the idea of something becoming popular again, just because like we're trading on what made us happy as children. But I want to like pause anyone's inclination to go that direction with this movie, because I don't think that this is anyone's childhood experience. Um, <laughs> and I think that like, you know, uh, our listeners, you know, who are Zoomers, people who are born in the nineties, like this really does take you back to like a very interesting time period. And like, I was 11, 10 or 11, 12 when this movie came out, how old was I? But it was very much like a, this is teenagers. This is what it's going to be like to be a teenager. And like, I can't wait until I have a car and I can hang out with my friends and we can rollerblade everywhere. But then by the time I was in high school in the early two thousands, like rollerblading wasn't cool. 
Like everybody was calling up fruit boots by that time. (laughs) So even like the trendiness, things changed so quickly. Um, And it really reminded me of uh, one of my favorite movies is A Clockwork Orange. And one of the things I like about it was that it was supposed to take place in somewhere very far into the future. But of course, it was like 1974. And, you know, Stanley Kubrick was so stylistically inclined that the high style of that movie was still so informed by the 70s that even, even though it was bizarre looking for that time, and it was like, this is the future. And it's like, this is some odd idea of what the future would be in the 70s. So like, it's this cool mashup of like the 90s future that we never got. So it's very much like an interesting experience into like what was happening in all of our subconsciouses during the right. 90s. Interesting. Um, Does it have any like alti Gen x energy? You know, it's. I think it's actually... <laughs> outside of Gen X. Okay. Because Gen X is very, um, I mean, I I always think of, um, you know, Janine Garofalo and Ona Ryder. Oh, 100%. Um, Right. So like that, like, oh, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Like (laughs) that isn't really there. This is almost like that cuspy energy, even though all of these actors Mm -hmm. are Gen X actors, this is very much like the future, anything could happen now that we've got the net. So (laughs) it's sort of like switched, which I think is really interesting from like no future, like we, who, why does it matter? Caring about stuff isn't cool to like, we can do anything now. We've got total freedom and like the kids are at the controls. So it's actually kind of hopeful and interesting in this way when the internet was new and it was like, you could talk to your friends in Australia. Like this like (laughs) totally bizarre. Like I I think about um, cable guy when he's like in the satellite dish, he's like, you could do your shopping at home. And he's like describing what the internet can do again in 1995, I think. Mm -hmm. And it was like fucking crazy. So like, this is a great I feel like every single minute of this movie is somebody behind the wheel going, isn't this fucking nuts? <laughs> and that energy for an hour and 45 minutes is really fun. Also the graphic design of like the internet programs, like, like the, the, that movie, the net, um, like hackers, like, like the way that you like surf the web and the way that the design of the websites were, Mm-hmm. We're not the way it ever was. <laughs> like, no. It just never that way. <laughs> no, and I don't think any computer programs really look like this either. Like every time, like in the beginning where he, uh, John Lee Miller is like interacting with a hacker right. and they're like talking back and forth to each other in like these fonts that are very much like the, um, you know, PSA in the beginning of DVDs that was like, you wouldn't steal a car. You wouldn't yeah. steal a DVD. <laughs> They're all talking in that font on the computer. And I was like, that's just, what? Nobody could do that. <laughs> yeah, it, it almost made it look like if, like, the internet was, like, a Sega Genesis or something. Like, it's just, it, it interacted in that way. You got me on that one. Yes. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, the other movie that came up was Lawnmower Man. Oh, uh, yeah, totally. VR. Yeah, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. And, like, the first Matrix also just a lot of like you're in tubes uh you know 
Also, like the beginning of Fight Club, like Fight Club is obviously like not a tech movie and it's a very like anti-futuristic movie, uh, mm-hmm. you know, story. But the beginning of Fight Club where they're like going through the synapses of the brain and it's like the Dust Brothers score yeah. is very much like the whole vibe of this movie. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. I'd never seen Lawnmower Man. I'd never seen Johnny Mnemonic. So that's a good touchstone for me. Yeah. Like yeah. it's... Brad Pitt's vibe in Fight Club is like he oh no sorry I meant well. I meant the Matrix I never saw Fight Club either My oh <laughs> that's no. legally insane cozy I know, uh, it's of all the things crazy. that you haven't seen that I'm like yeah you don't need to you don't need to you don't need to Fight Club Do is sidetrack and now just tell you why you need to watch Fight Club <laughs> yeah I know like we gotta we gotta stop because um, now more than ever the anti-consumerist anti-capitalist Fight Club is very important. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Well, um, my brain just like wiped totally clear when you said that, and now I'm <laughs> just left with nothing. Uh, well, Chris, I actually had a number two that was about the graphics. Do you mind if I just say my number two and then we hit it back to you for number two since we were talking about that already? Ooh, go ahead. I just, I love the computer visuals in this movie so much. I think they're really aesthetically pleasing and I don't think it ever, like it, it right away became unfashionable, like what we were talking about. But now that we're 20, oh my God, 25 years off of it, I think it's now entered a time where it's timeless. Like the types of visuals are so like colorful. They're so bright. They're so chaotic. Um, And I think that there's a lot of interesting design choices that because it was trendy, it fell away, but now are in, like fun to revisit. Um, and a lot of the movie was actually not computer graphics because the director thought that it would look cheesy because, of course, like 90s computer graphics actually do look pretty dated now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So a lot, all of the computers all anytime they were like, now we're inside the computer following the tubes. That was <laughs> all made with models. That's so cool. Right? Yeah. So I actually think that lends it to those scenes working so well. Yeah. It's a, it's like, it, I agree. I, I think that that's like a challenge in a movie where you're talking about such like a broad context, like a, like a broad thing, such as the internet. And they make it this very colorful um, laser tag energy kind of mm-hmm. feel through it. And it just, it's, it's, it's very, you're right, very aesthetically pleasing to watch. Yeah, it's like, this ain't your grandpa's computer. Bow, 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 bow. You mean like a gigantic computer that prints out car punch cards? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this isn't the imitation game. Uh, <laughs> So, Chris, let me uh, head it back to you for your number two. So my number two is probably, these are in no order, but the soundtrack of this movie is awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, The score of this movie is just like really, really good. Uh, Orbital, Prodigy, um, you get uh, the uh, Halcyon. um, There's just like... uh, what is it? Who sings that one? Hold on. I'm just looking at the score right now, the soundtrack. Um, yeah, the orbital song, Halixion and on and on is like, it just like, 
is like a warm blanket of like <laughs> that, you know, this is an, a thing. It just comes in the beginning of the movie as the main character and his mom are flying into New York. And it's just so vibey and cool. And like the movie is just like riddled with really great tracks and it just, it on its own keeps you going. Um, you know, it's just like a really fun uh, sounding movie to say the least. And that again, goes back to my first thought uh is that it's a moment in time and these these tracks definitely are yes exactly it it is very much like a time capsule like i think if you were to be like what was 1995 like stylistically and you like dug something up it would 100 percent be like hackers adelia's magazine and like um i don't know like a videotape of like malls yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, the music is really, this reminds, I was really obsessed with, uh, soundtracks still am, but like, I loved buying the soundtrack on CD to a movie I had just seen. I'm like, Oh, can't wait to go to Sam Goody and get this soundtrack. And this reminds me of, I feel like I would have listened to this constantly if I had watched it when it first came out. I think it was, yeah. Cause in the nineties soundtracks were really a big deal. And I think this was one I owned. And I think also soundtracks were always kind of the forgotten cds in the collection um mm-hmm. you know, unless it was like a like a banger like that was just like oh yeah i've got the batman forever soundtrack like, yeah. <laughs> the romeo and juliet soundtrack that was a yeah, huge one no duh yeah like, <laughs> <laughs> that's the most 90 thing i've ever heard <laughs> but the, so hackers one, the hackers one would have been like a mixed cd i found like you know, in the weird, you know, jewel case CD log thing going like, oh yeah, I've got the hacker CD and then <laughs> yeah. threw it on and been like, this freaking rocks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a burnt CD and like a purple tinged jewel case. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Oh, I love that. Um, all right. Well, my third reason is that I think this is a really important story in like the anthology of cyberpunk and it's if people aren't familiar I got really into cyberpunk books when I was a teenager which is again very strange I hadn't watched this movie yet but it's like a subgenre of science fiction that's about like a dystopian futures that has like really what it's like high tech meets low life like a mm. uh, very like a uh, dirty dirty grunge uh, it's the future, but we all have these really fancy computers that we hop into and interact with each other on. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of really cool, like Philip K. Dick is a cyberpunk, you know, writer. Um, some other authors, J.G. Ballard, who did one of my favorite books and movies, Crash, uh, Roger Zelazini, and then somebody who is important to this movie, William Ford Gibson who basically oh, yeah. coined the term cyberspace. So, and it was in his short story, uh, Burning Chrome in 1982, and then popularized in um, his like debut novel, which was a really big deal, Neuromancer in 1984. Very, mm-hmm. very cool book. Highly recommend. Mm. So cyberspace, obviously a word now we've been using in the mainstream forever, but came from science fiction, which I think is really incredible. And so... In uh, Hackers, 
the Gibson mainframe is the computer that they're constantly trying to like break into. It's like, they're like, gotta hack the Gibson. You gotta help me. I can't get into the Gibson. So yeah, a lot of that. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So it's got this really fun tribute to William Gibson, which I like a lot. And then I uh, also read that there's a fun reference at the end. The like bad guy hacker character uses this alias Charles uh, Babbage, who was an inventor of like the first computer, essentially. So, uh, oh, interesting. And I know there are like a bunch of other references like that, and I couldn't catch all of them. But this, I love that, you know, obviously this writer didn't do very much, but I feel like he put a lot of love into this screenplay and he must have been a huge like cyberpunk futurism fan because there's so many little Easter eggs like throughout the movie. So if that's a genre people are interested in, like I think this this is a must see to go with that whole compendium. I would wholeheartedly agree. Oh, and also the uh, book, I also really recommend the book uh, Snow Crash. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys have read it. I think uh, I have. Yeah, I think I like that one a lot. Yeah, it basically invented the internet. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much stuff in it that I'm like, whoa, but this is like this. And it was in 1992. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really cool. Um, And I... I think like watching this and then reading Snow Crash would be like the perfect weekend. <laughs> uh, what is your number three, Chris? Well, I'm going to go to this because it, it's, it's reminding me of a lot what you're talking about. But um, some of the best uh, internet handles yes. ever <laughs> are in the movie. Like, like um, you know... We, hey, listen, y'all, we all have our handle and it's on Instagram and it's on Twitter. Those are our handles. And there's like a big obsession over like, there's like one character who like needs an identity, man. I need my handle. What's my handle? But then you get these like really great names like Crash Override. Uh, was it Crash Override or Crash and Burn? Oh, Crash uh, and Burn was what their names were when they started dating, when they combined their two handles. <laughs> Right. So it was right. acid burn and crash override, and then when right. they like acid come burn. together, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, they were a benefer. Cool. <laughs> let, me, let me see. Let me see. Um, well, and like an interesting the, thing about the hacker names that I read too was that they were all based on real hackers at the time. Yeah, we got Phantom Freak, Lord <laughs> Nikon, The Plague, Zero Cool, aka Crash Override, <laughs> Master <laughs> Disaster. Serial killer, but serial with a C. Oh, oh man. So good. It, it just, it, it's a very, um, it's a very like, the, the names are so cool. And, and this kind of blends into just a little bit of one of my other ones I had, but the style, the wardrobe and the costume design mm-hmm. in this movie is really, really good. Um, it's actually very, you know, and it was kind of an observation, the, uh, um, that I had about this movie five years ago and it's still showing up nowadays, but like, you know, trends and fashion repeat itself, Mm -hmm. but like you could easily see like modern day style and like runway fashion in what they're wearing from 1995. Like there's straight up like Yeezy Kanye West style clothing going on in this. And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but it is 
crazy how influential I think that that era and time of fashion and style is showing up this day and age. Oh, absolutely. And then it's also melded with some like 70s, like street punk looks as well. Like there's some bondage pants and some really wild like hair and makeup. Um, I love the costumes. That was actually uh, one of mine was how obsessed I was with the fashion in this movie when I was younger. And then I'm watching it and I'm like, no, I still love all of these clothes. Like the stuff that Matthew Lillard wears is incredible. Like, yeah so edgy I think his stuff is kind of beyond like you were saying it's practically runway like it's not like simple I'll just throw this on <laughs> like yeah there's lots of like belts and um very uh, vivid kind of feel yeah, yes. yeah 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 absolutely and what's interesting I looked up the costume designer because I'm like oh I bet this person has been doing all the coolest stuff he hasn't really worked that much, and he hasn't done any major movies except for Hackers. Wow. Isn't that so wild? that makes me wonder, maybe he didn't like the experience. I mean, I'm looking at some of the images of these wardrobes like, okay, Angelina Jolie in a Quicksilver rash guard. What? <laughs> so cool. Like, I was just like, it, it was a solid blend. Like, it's, it's um, yeah, there's definitely some, like, lot of leather there's a lot of yeah it's it's uh it's streetwear for sure which is really neat um none of these people dress like this in real life <laughs> no like these they're all way cooler in this movie than in real life <laughs> yeah i would imagine yeah definitely i also really um, liked that there's a lot of um sort of like gender bending in the fashion as well like there's like matthew lillard wears a lot of eyeliner and yeah. there's two other side characters that are in like full makeup and uh, Matthew Lode has like long hair that's always in braids and he's always wearing a bunch of jewelry. And it's very, everything's very gender fluid um, because you know, Angelina Jolie is also very, um, uh, oh my God, what is the word? Androgynous. Yeah. Androgynous. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, there is so- a lot of androgyny in, this, androgyny in this film. Yeah. All right. Well, listeners, we had a little bit of an audio glitch, so we fixed it. We're back. Um, but just in case this edits together weird, <laughs> this is a little disclaimer. Um, I believe we were talking about the cool gender fluidity in the style. And I really love how androgynous Angelina Jolie is and Matthew yeah. Lillard and how cyberpunk kind of meant like it kind of translated into a style fluidity that I think was really progressive for the time. Right, right. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I believe those were our fourth reasons. It's been like 20 minutes since we <laughs> were talking. <laughs> Did a little 20-minute break to fix our issues. So let's get into our fifth reasons. And listeners, if we missed one, please forgive us. <laughs> Chris, lay on your fifth reason. Um, I'm just going to say, um, young Angelina Jolie and Mark Anthony and Mm. also (laughs) Penn from Penn and Teller. Oh, Um, I can't believe I forgot to say that in the cast. Yes. He plays like a low level security hacker. Yeah. I just think that like this movie is like a great example of like, um, the first films for some of these actors, like. This is definitely like, again, like, um, 
you know, clearly if this was like Johnny Lee Miller's leading movie, mm-hmm. Angelina Jolie used this as like a stepping stone to get more footage and show how she like just totally controls the screen. And um, Mark Anthony is like, you know, Mark Anthony shows up in like another film of mine that I really love, The Big Night. Um, and he is just like a really solid actor. I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> yeah, he's... He's an interesting role in this because he's an undercover agent who also seems like he's into being a hacker. Like, I can't, he's really interested in hackers. So I can't tell if he's always undercover or if he's half the time a hacker and half the time a cop. Yeah, there's like this one scene, it's not giving away anything, but he shows up undercover at a party Mm -hmm. and he's just having so much fun at the party. And it it just, it, it, it's a small little detail. You'll probably miss it, but. He he just does a good job in in the film, and yeah, he's kind of like the anti cop cop, uh, yeah. and 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 uh, kind of maybe is uh, you know the voice of the audience a little bit, who's kind of on for the ride and is enjoying it. Um, yeah, totally. Um, There's a great scene between him and this like asshole cop that's like total meathead, classic a cab. And he's reading off like, oh, the stupid hacker manifesto, which was a real hacker manifesto that was released in the 80s. Mm. Um, And he's like reading it off and like making fun of them. And Mark Anthony's like, I don't know. They sound kind of (laughs) cool. And the guy goes, cool, you're commie scum. And I'm like, wow, our talking (laughs) points have not changed in 25 years. Right, right. Oh, yeah. And then I did want to say, too, this was Angelina Jolie's breakout role so this was her first film role before that she was just in um two meatloaf uh videos music videos amazing (laughs) yeah i i think she does an incredible job she's just so good it's just she's she's good like she has like this cool computer in it (laughs) she's a very cool computer Everyone gets like, excited about like the video card and the, you know, the how much uh, RAM there is. Yeah, like oh my god, like they just just got a dual Intel Core processor. <laughs> like they just like are throwing terminology around in this movie, like left and right. And so it's, much like, the refresh rate is off the charts. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so crazy. It's like. You know, th- this actually is, I'm thinking about it and talking about it. You know, we take for granted all the technology we have, but there, this is really pioneer level excitement for like the fact you could download a picture, mm-hmm. you know, it's like really, really excitable uh, stuff going on. It, it's a, it's a fun movie. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this time, I think I wanted really badly, like the little electronic diaries. I don't remember yeah. what they were called, but I was like obsessed with them. And I was like, oh my God, I could write all my secrets in a in a computer that fits in my pocket, um, which I, in one way makes me sound like the oldest woman in the world, but that wasn't that long ago. Like the fact that things have, that were just constantly like, I'm using three different electronic devices right now. Like I am already more advanced than the people in hackers, but like every single time they did something, they were like, Whoa, man. Like guess it's also it's a fun film about friendship and like community which I really like um and I'll translate that into my fifth reason is that that this is a teen movie at the end of the day that just has like they're in you know the theme is hacking but it is just like a bunch of seniors in high school who are in this niche world which I just absolutely love and Chris you brought up earlier in the episode like the 
uh, this is what surfers do. And like, this is what punks do. Like these under these movies about underground groups that we don't really see anymore. Cause I don't know. Do you guys feel like there's still an underground or is it just that because everything's online, every group is kind of democratic in a way because every group is sort of accessible? Well, I feel like every there. I feel like there are more subcultures than ever, and the internet is sort of showing us that all the time. Where it's like, here's a thing you've never heard of. There is a group of people who do this in San Jose and nowhere else, and <laughs> we finally get access to it. We get access to all the cool slang, and I don't know. I'm fascinated by subcultures, so I'm always excited about that stuff. Like, I think. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say yes. Like those subcultures, it's out there, but it feels less like um, a movement. Like now, it's just like a bunch of like five or 10 people. And like you said, San Jose and less like yeah. a weird cultural underground scene that you didn't know existed. I don't know. Mm. It's like a, what were you going to say about it, Chris? I, I, I just think like, this is, this is a movie that came out in the nineties. Like it, it, it's very much like Hollywood trying to understand <laughs> culture. And, right. and with that being said too, it, it does generalize quite a bit like mm. half the culture. Um, because yeah, like the, the 2020 version of this would be someone who's like really into like cracking Facebook. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> right, like, or it's like well, it's Edward Snowden. Like yeah, it's Snowden. Yeah, it's way more uh, higher stakes. Like at the end of the day, this is like you know they're doing stuff in this movie that is in that realm and that vein of like anti-establishment, where you know we can basically get through um, any of these major walls so you know big government is definitely like your your enemy in this film um and which uh, makes it kind of timely in a way also like there's a number of things even though like you said it's very like uh catchphrasey hollywood there's still like a lot of things that they say that i'm like well they're not wrong like i was very (laughs) much on their side for the whole movie (laughs) yeah it's it's it, it it you you stay with them and it's just a super fun watch um and, you know, you're going to get through this thing. It, it, it's a quick film. It rips through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, you know, it's one of those ones that, like, we're still talking about today in 2020. Yeah, I think it has a lot of interesting cultural value. And that there aren't a lot of movies like like it. And that it matters in the history of tech. If you're a person who's interested in the internet or computers at all that uh, this is a necessary, it's like almost like a historic film (laughs) (laughs) to understand where we are now. Um, And like Chris said, it's just also very fun and a banquet for the eyes when it comes to like color and style. It's so exciting to watch for just like each scene, the clothes, like nobody wears something twice. Like it's just like, what are they in now? (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, it's, it's delightful. Uh, so, I mean, I guess that's our wrap-up. Cozy, would you watch this movie? You know what? Usually I have a bunch of things to say after this, and I get all specific and stuff. I'm just going to go ahead and say I would definitely watch this, and I would mostly, most likely watch it with a bunch of friends because it does sound like a very fun movie, and it's got that 90s nostalgia in weird ways uh, that are flashy and big. And, yeah, it sounds like something I would enjoy watching. Heck yes. yeah, we did it. High five, Chris. High <laughs> digital five. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like real quick, we need to all talk about what our handles were in the 90s. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I was uh, Catboy789. 
Really? Awesome. That's amazing. Aquabats. <laughs> oh, may even better. Oh. I was uh, Punk Bunny 345. Yeah. Perfect. And I did not have anything that required a handle when I was a kid, so I have none. <laughs> Wait, you weren't on like really? AOL Instant Messenger at all? That's correct. I avoided AOL Instant Messenger very much. I never went on any forums. I didn't do any of that stuff. That's so crazy. I what was about like really... your first email address? I still have my first email address. Oh my God. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. My, my Hotmail account, my MSN.com account is my same one I've always had forever. And as a result of it, it has like a letter from my dad's name in it and like Aww. my first phone number and stuff. <laughs> That's amazing. So you have no alias from the late '90s or Y2K times. We're, we're, we're I don't come up with one. What about your Instagram handle? Are you on Instagram? No. I'm not on Instagram. Here's the here's the thing: is like I've been able, I've managed to avoid creating a handle, and that's good because I have these perfectionist tendencies, or I'm kind of working past those. And so the idea of picking any one of them feels like such an overcommitment that I worry that I'd get it wrong. And then, I, of course, I see things from, like, years and years ago where everyone's like, I can't believe I was 420, 69-something-something. Something. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, things age. So <laughs> I'm even more afraid to have to pick one one day. But um, it'll hit. I'm coming up with yours. It's um, Improv Boy uh, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That sounds Improv great. Improv Boy 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> or you could do, or you could be Cozy Prov. Ooh, oh that's God. a fun one. Cozy Co- Prov 2020. That would be good. Oh, yeah. Every time I do anything, I'm always like, what if I just go with Cozy Orlin? <laughs> just like full name. <laughs> well, see, yeah. that's the so thing, boring. though, about handles is like, now we don't think about it because it's like, look at me on the internet. Please make your internet footprint. But when right. the internet was new, it was like, don't you dare even whisper your name on the internet don't talk about the state that you're in do not mention the color of your eyes like it was just like it was so it had to be so so secret because the idea was like the second you said one identifying thing about you you would be kidnapped oh, so God. like it was so, like cybersecurity was like this huge huge deal like I remember in my classes like our first, my first computer classes in like seventh grade it was like never ever type your name into a computer (laughs) (laughs) yeah i always love anything that kids are like this is what a cool thing sounds like and then you kind of end up with it forever i remember once i was i think writing a sketch about like a little kid stumbling into an astronomer's like office and looking into a into a a telescope and uh, discovering a planet and being like it's planet pokemon (laughs) oh gosh (laughs) too much power too much power for any kid <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, luckily things change enough that like I do not have to be stuck with my AOL name from two thousand and one. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you have the freedom of choice of the. Uh, that is the one thing you can always have. Just because uh, you could just have a bunch of accounts and not put so much pressure on yourself. Yeah, Ooh, I yeah. like that. And Although you then I'd it. have to remember them all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, let's get into recommendations. What are people watching and or doing this week? Chris, what do you have to recommend to our listeners? Um, what do I have to recommend to the listeners this week? Um, I haven't been watching a, a too much uh, new stuff on television, but you know, I just I think I think it goes without saying in these wild ass times that we've been listening. 
always good to chime in on a little uh, KPCC, <laughs> get a little get a little NPR going on. <laughs> it might not be the most. Uh, uh, it, it's probably a, a mass media news you could get right now. It's probably the most digestible at the moment. So I'll, I'll leave it with that. And then maybe as you all talk, I'll, I'll remember some other things that I watched that I really enjoyed. Oh, Sunset Boulevard. I recently watched that. We watched that movie. That movie's just great. Ooh, I love Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. I've always wanted to. It's great. We should do it on the podcast sometime. I think it's <laughs> a, oddly a, very underseen by our generation, but is timeless. Very topical. Yeah. Yeah. And I would love to see it on the big screen. I've always wanted to see it. Theatrically. I guess I would say, yeah, I'd say Billy Wilder movies. If you can, um, Billy Wilder directed Sunset Boulevard, and um, he's got a bunch of movies that I highly recommend. I took a class in college. That was a Billy Wilder class. and Oh, wow, a um, whole class on his work? That's amazing. Yeah, and, and I got to see – I did, we didn't watch Sunset Boulevard because that was kind of the – oh, no, no, we maybe we did watch Sunset Boulevard um, – but uh, we didn't maybe watch like some like it hot, but just a very, very, very well-spoken writer director. Um, his writing partner is really great. So I, I say, if you got time, you're stuck in inside this week, throw on a Billy Wilder movie, Sunset Boulevard. I think it's free somewhere online. Absolutely, and I mean, uh, Sabrina is an incredible rom-com. Uh, yeah. Audrey Hepburn and uh, Humphrey Bogart, William, William Holden. I absolutely love. It's my favorite Audrey Hepburn. And uh, the apartment is hysterical. Oh, yeah. Shirley MacLaine and Jack Lemmon. Um, yeah, that would be a really the, the apartment. The actual apartment in the apartment is a beautiful apartment to watch. Yeah, mm. <laughs> it is very inspiring. Um, yeah, highly recommend. That's a great, great recommendation. Yeah, uh, thank you. <laughs> you did it. Uh, what, about, <laughs> what about you, Cozy? You um, so my recommendation for this week is inspired by this movie choice. And uh, I mentioned it earlier during this. It is the 1994 cyberpunk role-playing game Shadowrun for the Sega Genesis. Have either of you played or heard about this? No. No. On Sega, I wasn't allowed to have video games as a kid, so I only played at my friend's house, and she Mm. only had Lion King and Aladdin. So those are my Sega games. (laughs) Oh, and those were both wonderful. Um, So this this game is set in the Shadowrun universe, which is like a tabletop role-playing game thing that was inspired by William Gibson and a lot of other uh, cyberpunk writers of the time. And I've never read any of those. I don't really have any background, so cyber... So Shadowrun was like my touchstone for cyberpunk. And in it, you play these characters that have like these cybernetic enhancements to their bodies, uh, including a jack in the back of their neck, I believe, that you could jack into the the cybernet, basically. And and it put you in this weird place uh, with cyberware. It put you in this weird place, the Matrix, actually, they called it way before the matrix. Whoa, really? That's crazy. Yeah. It was so strange with your data Jack, you could Jack into the the matrix and hack like major companies and steal their money for, um, shadow runs, which are just like these things that you do for clients. They also had these interesting sort of mixed elements of like elvish culture and also of like, uh, American Indian culture. Mm Hmm. So there are like shamans that you can be, and also there are orcs, 
and there are also trench coats and shotguns. It's a crazy world, and if you can find it um, online to play on like a ROM or an emulator, or whatever, you should definitely do it. It's a great RPG. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah, it's that's fascinating. Really fun. It's um, so fun. <laughs> Well, I wanted to do uh, a movie that was kind of also in the vibe of this one today. Um, I rewatched Blade Runner, the original one, recently, and it's just, again, such a feast for the eyes. And I really love the book, and the book is a, it's totally different. And I know a ton of people have seen Blade Runner. It's not like a deep cut or anything. Um, I saw it screened about 10 years ago. If you can... When theaters open back up, if you have an opportunity to see Blade Runner projected, it looks so beautiful. It like made my eyes like tear up a couple of times. So there's just like, wow, there's so many yeah. movies that are meant to be seen on the big screen that we have, you know, not had the opportunity to do because of the way that time marches. But it's really, really special. I know a lot of people, including myself, have bought projectors uh, <laughs> during the uh, lockdown. So I, you know, projected in my own room, <laughs> Blade <laughs> Runner, and to just wow. have it like all around you in like a kind of a small living room is just such a cool experience. So I definitely, I mean, projectors and screens, you can get them for under $100 now. It's very worth the investment. And, and check it out because I think there's a lot of interesting stuff about that too because that was supposed to take place in the year 2019. Um, and, you know, it was filmed in the 70s. So it has kind of a similar uh, vibe with A Clockwork Orange, which I was talking about earlier, which is that like this is the 70s idea of what the 2000s will look like. And mm -hmm. it's very different stylistically from A Clockwork Orange, but I think it's fascinating to see where people's heads were at in different decades about the future. Um, and if you have an opportunity, um, Android's Dream of Electric Sheep, which is the Philip K. Dick novel that Blade Runner was based on, is really beautiful and heart-wrenching and is actually a totally different story. They took like a little sliver of the story and turned it into Blade Runner, but the actual book is much more emotional and like human-driven. And uh, it's short. It's a short novel. So you're looking for a good book highly recommend that as well oh cool okay great nice yeah and i think they i think they both pair nicely with hackers <laughs> yeah i've never i've never seen blade runner before actually or logan's run which i always confuse it with <laughs> uh, logan's run has yeah. camp value at this point i think it's still interesting yeah. stylistically but i wouldn't say that it's like a cinematic feat yeah blade runner is your you're experiencing a lot. There, there's definitely a lot going on there. Mm. The far right. superior film to Hackers, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they're <laughs> um, yes, but I think still both are really like candy for your eyes. Yes, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, hey, listeners, have you seen Hackers or any of the movies that we've recommended today? Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram to let us know. Uh, you can follow us at Need to See Pod on all the platforms. You can also join our Facebook group to discuss all films. Uh, you know, hit us up with some of your own recommendations. And Cozy's hanging out there in the Facebook group to chat with you. Uh, you can follow me at LTV Comedy on Facebook and Instagram. Chris, where can people find you? 
Uh, it's Chris Candy Forever on. Uh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Chris Candy Number Four Ever on Instagram, and Chris Candy Number Four U, just the letter U on Twitter. Nice. Incredible. Uh, does anybody have any? All right. Does anybody well, have any plugs? everybody go follow Chris. Yeah. Uh, plugs, Chris. You want to plug anything? I just want to plug safety and having a great holiday season <laughs> and staying healthy and, uh, and you know, trying to stay clear-headed during this crazy time. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I love right that. Now, uh, <laughs> I'm going to second so, yeah, that. I I'm, would also like to plug safety. Please stay home. I have multiple friends with COVID right now, and I'm terrified for them. So... Please take oh, care yeah. of yourselves, everybody. So yeah. important. Cozy. I have Do I you... have two non non safety related plugs. Yeah. <laughs> but you also want people to be safe, so <laughs> that's true. Safety safety is very very important, no question. Uh, and aside from aside from safety, uh, I have crashed this Zoom holiday party uh, coming this Wednesday, December 9th at eight p.m. Pacific time on. Uh, Twitch at twitch.tv slash Sweet Dalai Lama, uh, another super fun online variety show that I'm hosting. Um, also, my punk improv team, Scene Kids, recently put out a 90s skate vid style VHS tape. Amazing. Cool. Thank you. Uh, it's uh, it's a, an awesome compilation of stuff from our live show, along with behind the scenes interviews and fun stuff from like bands, and everyone's hilarious in it, and it's great. Uh, please email scene kids at uh, please email scene kids 182 at gmail.com $10 minimum donation address and we will send you a copy heck yeah I love right. that cozy oh. congratulations thank you it's weird and the best <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah it would be amazing if you are a wonderful listener and you would like to give us a five star review and maybe uh, we would read that on the air because we tend to do that and you know subscribe to us on iTunes and all the other good places alright awesome well thank you so much for joining us Chris it was so lovely to have you on the podcast and mm -hmm. every we're going to link your movies and everything in the show notes so listeners can check that out and I'm happy we finally got to officially meet on in yes. Zencaster <laughs> I love it I love the Zencaster meet and greet well thanks for having me all this was super fun Oh, the best. Super fun. And thanks for, uh, you know, hanging tight through all the technological glitches. I feel like the NSA was on us for talking about hacking too many times. Oh, my God. <laughs> probably right. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. No this, worries. I just thought about how, like, we are in the future. Do you know what? <laughs> like, we're talking about all the amazing things the internet can do, like, in this movie and hackers. And, like, this type of podcasting over the internet is like a very futuristic thing for them in 1995. Truth. <laughs> totally. <laughs> We're like really using the internet right now, guys. Wow. <laughs> wow. The future is here. <laughs> All right. Amazing. <laughs> Everybody is amazing. Take care of yourselves. Uh, thank you so much to Pete Burns, our audio engineer. And thank, thank you, you listeners for tuning in to another episode of You Need to See This.
Remember, hacking is more than just a crime. It's a survival trait.